place in that he was always moving the people of Israel from one place to another. Remember how at the age of 80, God called him out of retirement. He was sitting back watching the news or ESPN in his lazy boy recliner. And he got up one day and went by the burning bush. And God called him at age 80 to go down to Egypt and get his people free from the bondage and the slavery of the Egyptian people after 400 years. And then, because of their disobedience, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So Moses was always shepherding and moving his people from one location, one destination, one place to another. So he was a man who was concerned with, with place. But he was also a man who got caught up in time. Fact is, Moses ran out of time. He never had the opportunity to take the people of Israel into the promised land. He got to see it. And almost two years ago, when our group of 32 went to the Holy Land, Israel and Jordan, we got to go up to the top of Mount Nebo and look down and see the promised land that Moses saw. And he ran out of time. He never got to go over. So listen to how this psalm attributed to the man Moses, this uh, man of God. Listen for how it talks about place and how it also talks about time. It contrasts God's time with the brevity of our time. So, follow along with me as we read it. And it starts right out talking about place. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Boy, that covers a lot of time, doesn't it? And then the psalmist starts to talk about our plight as human beings. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. And I've always loved the fourth verse. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You know how long a watch in the night is? Three hours. That's what a thousand years is, like a watch in the night to God. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before us, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All of our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. And yet their span, or yet the best of them, is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass, and then we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright. Or another way you could put it is, God, help us to make each day count. Make each day count that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Sisters and brothers in Christ, 
This is the word of the Lord, and together we respond, thanks be to God. Well, Dennis the Menace is a man I keep up with. I like to find out what Dennis is up to on a daily basis. And Dennis is with his buddy Joey. In this particular comic strip, he's with his buddy Joey, and he's got one of those round wind-up clocks in his hand. You know those old clocks that you had to wind up from the backside? He's got a wind-up clock in his, back, in, in his hand, and he points to it, and he says, Joey, let me tell you what's wrong with this thing. It goes too fast when you're having fun, and it goes too slow when you're waiting. You feel that way? Goes too fast when you're having fun? Goes too slow when you're waiting. Time is funny, isn't it? It does that to us. It moves too fast when either we're having fun or when we're trying to attain and achieve the next stage of life, the next status of life, the next place when we're trying to get to the promised land, like Moses. So here we are, four or five years of age, and we can't wait for school to start, for us to be big enough to go off to big school, to kindergarten, right? And before you know it, we can't wait for summer vacation to arrive. We're done with school. We're ready for vacation to arrive. And before you know it, the years pass, and we can't wait for the graduation to take place, high school graduation. And then we can't wait for college to be done and over with so we can graduate from college. And if we're going into some kind of graduate or professional degree, we can't wait for it to get over with. We can't wait for the wedding day to come. We just can't wait for that nine months to be gone so that baby gets born and arrives. We can't wait to get that first job and get my first paycheck. And before you know it, we can't wait until the time comes when the day is up so we can go home. And we can't wait until vacation arrives. And we can't wait until we earn enough money to acquire those things in life that we think are going to make us happy or to reach those destinations professionally, educationally, in the community. We can't wait until we're old enough to retire. And before you know it, we're there. And we look back and time has just, boom, flown by. And then we turn around and we say, where in the world has the time gone? I, I can't believe that the summer vacation is already over with. I, I can't believe that it's, do you realize it's, only, it's less than five months to Christmas? I can't believe Christmas is only five, I, ju I just thought we celebrated Christmas and New Year's yesterday. I went to sleep on New Year's Eve and woke up and it was August 7th. You ever feel that way? I can't believe that it's time to mow the grass. Didn't I just mow the grass yesterday and it's a foot high? Get the lawnmower out. That's what time does to us. So for a lot of us, you know, we're, we either find ourselves stuck in time or we find ourselves out of time or we find ourselves passing time or we find ourselves afraid of time. And we're a whole lot more like Moses than we think we are. 
Because time for us means getting to a certain place, getting to a certain location, getting to a certain destination, and then we arrive and we find out it wasn't all that we thought it would be. And suddenly we look back, and like Moses, we've spent our life going from place to place to place, achievement to achievement to achievement, destination to destination, and we get to a point where we run out of time, and life isn't what we thought it would be. And we start really realizing how futile, how brief, how transitory our time on this earth is. So the psalmist is trying to give us a reality check. He's trying to remind us of the brevity of time, of that short, shortness of time, and he's inviting us in this text to gain a heart of wisdom, to make sure that we number our days aright, i.e., make each day count, so that we get a heart of wisdom. Now, if you go back and you look at the psalm, on first glance, it looks kind of gloomy and kind of doomy. It's a real dreadful appraisal of human existence. If you go back and look at it, it says that we came from dust, and when we die, we're going to go back to dust. Look at all these beautiful clothes we got on this morning. Jewelry, ties, robes, stoles. The body beneath it's all going back to dust. Not a lot of dressing up when you go back to dust, is it? And then the psalmist says that time sweeps us away like a dream. How long do your dreams last? Who knows? You're dreaming. You're asleep. But, but, you know, a dream and then it's over with? We're like the grass that springs up in the morning and by evening it's faded and it's withered. That's what our life is like. And every one of us, we're a function of human limitations and sin. And what that means is, if we're lucky, we'll make it to age 70. And if we're really lucky, according to the text, we might make it to 80. And then the psalmist says, but life is filled with toll and trouble, and suddenly that toll and trouble is swept away, and we fly away. Boy, that's a pretty gloom and doom and despair and agony on me. Remember, he haw gloom, doom, despair, agony on me, whatever that song was they sung. You know, it kind of reminds me of Psalm 39, Psalm 90. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 39. Lord, let me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting life is. You agree? Life is fleeting. Let me, but behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing in your sight. Surely every man stands as a mere breath. That's what Psalm 39 says about our life. So you see, the psalmist, whether it's 39 or 90, the psalmist is in touch with the things that we're in touch with, that life is short that life is unfair, that life is filled with suffering and pain and evil and sin. And sometimes we like to think that we're the main attraction. We like to think that we're the center of the universe, but the psalmist is doing a reality check with us, and the psalmist is reminding us this morning that we are fading and we are fading fast. 
because of the reality called time shows no mercy and the reality called time shows no partiality to any one of us. So, so how are we going to get our eyes off of our time and get our eyes on God's time so we can get life readjusted? You know, I was away for a few weeks in July. Spent some time, about a week and a half, working on sermons for 2017 and some other fall projects that either I or we as a congregation are going to be involved in. And then about a week and a half, we uh, spent some time with our kids and our grandchildren. And while I was away, I heard the word that Dr. Jimmy Moore, who's the pastor just 20 miles to our east at First Baptist Church of Washington, died in mid-July. Last August, Jimmy was diagnosed with cancer, esophageal and liver cancer. If he had lived... This fall, he would have been 59 years old. He preached the Sunday before he died the next week. And my guess is that in the intervening months from August to this July, that he started looking at time differently. He started thinking about not his time, but God's time. My guess is he suddenly began to realize that he wasn't the main attraction and that he wasn't the center of the universe. And you and I have friends and we have family. Same things happen to people here in our congregation. Someone whose life has been cut short because of an accident or an illness, died way too young, or even someone older. And when those events happen, it readjusts your perspective about the destinations you want to go to and the places and the locations you want to be, and it readjusts your concept about time. But here's the deal. Most of us in this room probably are not going to have that cataclysmic, life-defining event of an illness or an accident that readjusts how we think. What's going to happen to most of us is that we're going to be like Moses. We're going to spend most of our life moving from place to place to place and location to location to location and destination to destination. Graduation, marriage, maybe babies, jobs, promotions, the acquisition of material things, the cars, the boats, the homes, whatever. And one day we're going to get to the end of life and we're going to wake up and we're going to say, you know, I don't know if all of that time and energy was worth it to arrive at the place that I've gotten to. So the psalmist here is saying, you better have an anchor other than the place you want to get to and the location and the destination. And you better have an anchor other than your time. You better have an anchor in your life that holds you firm in the difficult times that come your way. And that anchor that holds you firm is not going to be the place where you've been or where you are or where you hope to be. And that anchor is not going to be your time. It's going to be God's time. 
See, verses 1 and 2 of this psalm starts us out. God is our dwelling place. He's the place we need to be. He's the location. He's the destination. God, you are our dwelling place throughout all generations, and you cover all of time, God, from everlasting to everlasting. I mean, that's a pretty wide span of time, isn't it? You are God. This God who, who views a thousand years like we would a day or a watch in the night, which is not the three hours, this God is the same God who says, get your life in order. Put yourself through a reality check. And understand that you better teach yourself to number your days aright. You better teach yourself to make each day count. Why? So that you may gain a heart of wisdom. So that you don't get to the end of life and look back on it and say, what a fool I've been for how I've been living my life. You know, God invites us to live into His time, not our time. You know, the Bible in the New Testament has two words for time. First word is chronos. Chronology. Chronos is the round clock Dennis was holding for his buddy Joey. It's the ticking of time. Chronos is the movement of the calendar. Chronos is history. Chronos is Sunday, August the 7th. A little after 10 o'clock in the morning. That's Chronos. But Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, Kairos is God's time. Kairos is the right moment. It's the right season. It's the right opportunity that God places in front of a person or a congregation or a group of people to act or to be or to do. And when we start moving out of a, an adherence and, and focusing so much on our time, which gets us to the destination we want to get to, and start focusing on Kairos, God's time, the right opportunity, then we find that He is the place, He is the destination that our heart longs for. You know, someone, I, I saw this some time ago, someone has printed up a chart that shows how a person who lives to the age of 70 spends their life. How a person who lives to the age of 70 spends their years in 24-hour blocks, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Here's how the average person age 70 spends their time. Three years of that time, 24-hour days, seven days a week, 365 a year, three years is spent in education. All of your educational journey, average person age 70 spends three years. Eight years in amusements leisure time activities or recreational pursuits. Eight years. Six years we spend, if we live to the age of 70, we spend eating. Eating. Eleven years we spend working in our vocations or in Duties around the house, cleaning and that yard mowing I was talking about a minute ago and that kind of thing. 24 years is spent sleeping. 
About a third of our life is spent sleeping. Almost six years is spent washing and dressing. Baths. Getting dressed. Getting ready to go somewhere. Six years is spent in walking. Walking places. Three years is spent in conversation with people. Three years is spent in reading. And guess how many years we spend in doing what we're doing right now, in worship, in attending to our spiritual life, in service to God. Guess how many years we spend. It doesn't even make a year. The average person who lives to the age of 70 will spend six months in worship, in attending to his or her spiritual life, and in service to God. Six months. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. How do you want to be known for the use of your time? And when your life comes to an end and somebody like me is standing up here officiating your funeral or your memorial service, what do you hope I'm going to say about how you've used your time? How do you want to be known for the use of who you are? And how are you making each day count for something in God's time, in the right moment, in the right season, in the right opportunities that God gives you. Because you see, the fact of the matter is, folks, time is melting away. And the human soul is looking for an anchor that gives us stability and consistency. And the writer of the Psalm 90 says, it's found in the one who is our dwelling place, who is from everlasting to everlasting. How many of you remember the actor Michael Landon. Remember Michael Landon? What, uh, what shows do you remember that Michael Landon starred in? I, I'd have heard Little House on the Prairie. Bonanza. Yeah, that was way before I was born. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with Bonanza. Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie. What? Highway to Heaven. Those were the three main shows that he was known for. You know, Michael Landon died on July the 2nd, 1991, at the age of 54, from pancreatic cancer. And shortly before his death, this is what Michael Landon said. He said, someone should tell us right at the start that we are dying then we would be more inclined to live life to the limit every minute of the day. Sounds a lot to me like the words of the psalmist of old. Teach us to number our days aright, or teach us, Lord, to make each day count. Why? So that when life comes to an end and we look back on who we've become and what we've done, we will have gained a heart of wisdom. 